The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to the service of worship this Sunday and to the community barbecue following the service and to our International Students Sunday next Sunday, September 18th. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. As able, please stand in the praise of God.
O oh God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways, reclothe us in our rightful mind, in purer lives thy service find, in deeper reverence praise. Our prayers of confession this Lord's Day are lifted alongside those who know loss and those who feel lost, those who knew loss 21 years ago and carry such today, those around the globe who mourn the loss of a global queen those whose institutions experience transition and new leadership, and those who are away from home, maybe for the first time. In our moment, our moment of confession, as the choir guides us, we remember the encouragement of scripture, pray at all times in the spirit, with prayer and supplication, supplication for all the saints. Let us pray. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 4, verses 11 through 12 and 22 through 28. At that time, it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, 
A hot wind comes from me out of the bare heights in the desert toward my poor people, not to winnow or cleanse, a wind too strong for that. Now it is I who speak in judgment against them, for my people are foolish, they do not know me. They are stupid children, they have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil, but they do not know how to do good. I looked on the earth, and lo, it was waste and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and lo, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and lo, there was no one at all, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and lo, the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolation, yet I will not make a full end. Because of this the earth shall mourn, and the heavens above grow black. For I have spoken, I have purposed, I have not relented, nor will I turn back. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. But for that very reason, I received mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any who are wise, who seek after God. They have all gone astray. They are all alike perverse. There is no one who does good, no, not one. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread? and do not call upon the Lord. There they shall be in great terror, for God is with the company of the righteous. You would confound the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that deliverance for Israel would come from Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, Jacob will rejoice. Israel will be glad. And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria, the reading of the Gospel, and the singing of a hymn.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Glory to you, O Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over every one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. 
just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Perhaps it is fitting that this week's lesson presents Jesus in his primary colors, not as teacher of righteousness, but as savior of sinners, one whose joy comes in finding the lost. We long for, hunger for good news in a time of loss. Come September 11th, the nation remembers 3,000 dead 21 years ago, a time of loss. Come Thursday afternoon past, the globe remembers the decades of selfless life and service of a queen and now grieves the death of a global queen, a time of loss. Institutions near and far experience transition in leadership with a sense of loss. A denomination reels from the shocks of sudden and coming division, and there is loss. A freshman in the class of 2026, away from home for the first time, feels loss. You can feel lost in a time of loss. As Queen Elizabeth said in 1997, we've all been trying to cope in our different ways. It is not easy to express a sense of loss since the initial shock is often succeeded by a mixture of other feelings disbelief, incomprehension, anger, and concern for those who remain. Entering now the autumn of 2022 together, for all our losses, we are intent on sewing together again, knitting together again, the fabric of our common life. Jesus' parables tend to remind us, through thick and thin, of what matters, lasts, and counts, as today, those who follow and heed him, as we are trying to do, can rejoice in that, joy in the presence of the angels of God. This Sunday, this year, September 11th, we remember both in the opening prayers and in the sermon for today. Our bulletin for the day, as in other years, lists the names of those Boston University men and women lost on that tragic day, 9-11-01. In 2011, we telephoned the families of those who died that day to express our continued remembrance of them and our shared sense of ongoing mourning and grief. They were some of the most memorable pastoral conversations of my time here at BU thus far. And Boston University Memorial Services have been held every five years at Marsh Chapel and on Marsh Plaza, 2006, 2011, 2016, 2021. The service for 2011 held on the plaza included in leadership President Robert A. Brown, Robert Pinsky, former Poet Laureate of the United States and current BU faculty, the University Chaplains, and the Marsh Chapel Choir. In addition, throughout this past week, we have joined with others in welcoming a new class of students, the class of 2026. Throughout this past week on campus, there has been a palpable, shared, expressed desire to connect, to know, to invite, to welcome. You make it evident right now in this, our service of worship. And you all have more than done your own part in this. 
an opening brunch, a chaplain's meeting, a Marsh Chapel matriculation service, the university matriculation, a first cl class day breakfast, a greening of the dorms, a midweek worship service, a co-curricular programs fair, a religious life fair, a garden party, choir practices and auditions, staff gatherings, a completed term book, a reception for theological students, a big Saturday splash, a barbecue luncheon today following worship, and many individual greetings, conversations, and prayers. All this in aid of helping, supporting, and guiding 18-year-olds toward places, spaces, and gatherings wherein they will be found, wherein they will find themselves, at least in part, wherein there shall be a shared joy, a heavenly joy, an angelic joy, joy in the presence of the angels of God. St. Luke encourages us with a word about finding the lost. It is notable that here in this congregation and listenership, the numinous oddities of language in Luke 15, you do understand and use. We overhear you, use these great words, and you use them well. One says to his son in the pew, as the scripture is read, I remember. A parable is a story with a message, and I remember that Jesus always taught using parables. He taught by telling stories. These parables were set in the countryside and were about people and about justice. Jesus taught adults with simple stories. You understand parable. Someone else driving home today interprets the word joy for her rider. Joy is God's delight given us by God's spirit. Joy is one of the footprints, hallmarks, earmarks, landmarks, benchmarks of the Holy Spirit. What pleasure is to the body, joy is to the soul. I might have thought that repentance would throw you, but no. In the choir, disrobing after worship, an alto, an alto tells a, ba a bass, repentance means to turn around, to head home, to dust off and try again, like that story about the sun and the pigs. And an angel, you might add, means messenger, and presence means joy, and heaven means the message of the presence of joy. Then at Monday evening community dinner, talking to a theological student, perhaps, an engineering student might ask the definition of sin. And the response? Well, it literally means to miss the mark but it has two parts. First is the personal part, lust, gluttony, avarice, sloth, anger, envy, and pride, or as Howard Thurman put it better, cutting against the grain of your own wood. He said, listen for the sound of the genuine. Listen for the sound of the genuine. You are the only person like you, just like you ever that the world has ever seen. Listen for the genuine inside you. Second is the pervasive part, the gone wrongness of life. That is, sin is also the power of death throughout life. Sin is the condition of life under which treachery takes place. Sin is the absence of God. Sin is an orb of confusion in the world. Personal, pervasive. 
Well, well said. You could add, we could add. Sin is personal like that expressed in our epistle, 1 Timothy. Jesus comes for others, as 1 Timothy said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. When one is lost, as here and also in the later account of the welcoming father, one can become anxious, depressed, dislocated, alone. Someone found is the cause of inexpressible delight, joy, including the lonely, discovering the dislocated, reconnecting with the disappeared. These moments provide heavenly joy, a consequence of the discovery of the lost we are intent on sewing together again, knitting together again, right here, the fabric of our common life. We could add, sin is not only personal, it is pervasive like that expressed in our reading from Jeremiah. Sin has a corporate, expansive, even institutional reality. We mistake its power if we see it only, say, in personal life. That, of course, is real and true. But sin is like the advance or retreat of a great thunderstorm, a frontal advance, though theological, not meteorological. Sin is like a city blacked out, a power far beyond any individual lamp turned down, any individual light switch hit. Sin is a shadow, the one great shadow. Whatever is not of faith is sin, and that is quite a lot in this world. Sin is all that mutes the voice. Do we blame sheep? Hardly, by the way, a comprehensively intelligent beast for getting lost. No, it is his nature. Do we blame the coin? Inanimate, hardly noticeable, for getting lost? No, it's Isaac Newton's gravity at work. But we only see sin clearly when we are ready to see it by revelation, and often only when we have left its borders behind. Like so much of lasting reality, we know it in retrospect. Sin is what Jeremiah, in all the autumn readings of 2016, was warning us about, what we could not and would not see in the coming religious, cultural, social, and ultimately political condition of our country. It is hard but saving to have Jeremiah with us again all fall this year. Sin is what Jeremiah was warning us about in all the autumn readings of 2019, what we could not see in a coming pandemic and an unprepared infrastructure and a mendacious national leadership and ultimately touching home right in these pews, the deaths of a million just in our own land. It is hard but saving to have Jeremiah with us again all fall this year and to hear his harsh warning again today. That is, the power of sin vastly surpasses any individual human attempt at cure. Individuals may behave morally or immorally, usually some of both, but corporate pervasive sin lives on as Reinhold Niebuhr taught so long ago, man's capacity for justice makes democracy possible, but man's inclination to injustice 
makes democracy necessary. Sin is that inclination. And social cohesion is impossible without coercion, and coercion is impossible without the creation of social injustice, and the destruction of injustice is impossible without the use of further coercion. Are we not in an endless cycle of social conflict? Sin is that impossible. As Wesley said, sin remains even when it does not reign. Beloved, we have much to do to wrestle with pervasive sin, with the global challenges of pollution, Putin, pandemic, prices, prejudice, politics, and pain. Jane Addams said it of our nation, but her insight now fits our world. The blessings which we associate with a life of refinement and cultivation must be made universal if they are to be permanent. The good we secure for ourselves is precarious and uncertain, floating in midair until it is secured for all of us and incorporated into our common life. Jesus' parables tend to remind us, through thick and thin, of what matters, lasts, and counts. We smile to recall Queen Elizabeth saying and repeating, as was remembered this week, our determination to do the right thing will stand the test of time, as today. Those who follow and heed Jesus, as you are trying to do, can rejoice in that. Daniel Marsh was one such. Boston University has had 10 presidents since 1869 and the chartering of our school. Five were Methodist ministers, Warren, Huntington, Merlin, Marsh, Case. The other five, Chris Janer, Silber, Westling, Chobanian, and Brown, were a lawyer, a philosopher, an historian, a physician, and a chemical engineer. Daniel Marsh came in 1926 from the Smithfield Avenue Methodist Church pulpit in Pittsburgh and retired in 1951. In 1968, with his second wife Arlene, he was interred here in the chancel of Marsh Chapel, a long time, by the way, before cremation and columbaria were widely practiced. He built the buildings to the left and right of us. He built the chapel, later named for him, and he did so through thick and thin, a lack of funds, a Great Depression, the Second World War, post-war inflation, but he persevered. He wanted this great university to have at its spiritual, geographical, historical, architectural, and religious center a chapel devoted to gathering the lonely, healing the broken, comforting the afflicted, afflicting the comfortable, and especially, especially, finding the lost. He wanted the partnership of the gospel, the fellowship, sharing, commonwealth, partnership of the gospel, to be spoken and lived, that those lost might be found, that those enmeshed in sin and death and the thread of meaninglessness might be discovered, embraced, and loved. Until her passing in autumn 2019, his daughter, Nancy Marsh Hartman, 
was in church in the front pew every Sunday, by that I mean every Sunday, teaching others by example how to sing and sing lustily the hymns of faith in her Methodist tradition. She could tell you about pursuing what matters, lasts, and counts through thick and thin, and you know that she must smile from on high to see her chapel filling up in the autumn of the year. And she would remind those in or entering ministry that the minister is present for those who are not yet present. She would ask without speaking, who is not here, not yet here, who yet could be? She would wholeheartedly share the sentiment of Queen Elizabeth, Christmas 1957. I cannot lead you into battle. I do not give you laws or administer justice, but I can do something else. I can give you my heart. You, beloved, come from a long line of warm-hearted people. In the spring of 1973 at Ohio Wesleyan University, a small Methodist school for small Methodists, the telephone rang in the hallway of the Tau Kappa Epsilon fraternity. You know, you remember that the telephone was invented at Boston University in a laboratory here by Alexander Graham Bell about 1880. The telephone, a beautiful, human, vocal mode of communication and discovery. Well, the phone rang early that morning and no one answered it because, well, it was the teak house and, well, it was early. The phone was across the hall, though, and without voicemail to interrupt, it continued. Bleary-eyed, I, wo I woke and answered. Is that you, Bob? This is Professor Freiburg. Your biology final exam began 10 minutes ago. Where are you? The next 10 minutes witnessed the fastest bicycle ride on Sandusky Street in recorded history and the taking of the one empty seat and the taking of a last test and a great course by a beloved teacher, one who cared enough to find the lost. God is at work in the world to make and keep human life human, but good in history never comes without humans at work on it, without a faithful people of warm heart, such as you. Hear good news, entering the autumn of 2022 together for, for all our losses, we are intent on sewing together again, knitting together again the fabric of our common life with confidence. Our 10th president, Robert A. Brown, used that word confidence, Latin con fide, with faith, con fide with faith, saying, I think we're just a very different university today, not just for students, but for faculty and staff, too. We're more mature. We're much more confident. I think the best is yet to come. Jesus' parables tend to remind us, through thick and thin, of what matters, lasts, and counts as today. Those who follow and heed him as we are trying to do, can rejoice in that. Joy, joy, joy in the presence of the angels of God. Amen.
seated. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Scattered grains of wheat are gathered together into one bread, so let us gather our prayers for the church, those in need, and all of God's good creation. Your people receive mercy, and your, your grace overflows in our lives. Fill your church with faith and love, and give understanding hearts to those who work to strengthen our ecumenical and interreligious inter commitments. God of grace, Hear our prayer. Your creation groans as it suffers the impacts of pollution and lack of care. As a season of change, renew in us the will to protect plants, animals, and habitats. Bless us with bountiful harvests that all may share. God of grace, hear our prayer. Your world is shattered and the nations rage. Remember us in your mercy. Teach wisdom to our elected leaders so that we know peace in our world, peace in our homes, peace in our hearts. God of grace, hear our prayer. Your children wander homeless and the hungry cry for bread. Seek out those who are lost or lonely, anxious or depressed, or struggling with addiction or illness. Provide for those in any need. God of grace, hear our prayer. Your work is done at this university with our hands, feet, voices, minds, and hearts. Build up the ministries offered here that they may serve our neighbors and welcome the stranger in your name. God of grace, hear our prayer. Your blessed saints who have died now rest in your presence. Give us thankful hearts for those who have been examples of faith in our lives and receive us with joy when we come to share eternal life with you. God of grace, hear our prayer. Gathered together in the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, gracious God, we offer these and all prayers to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. 
And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord.
gracious God, accept these gifts and with them our lives to be used in your service. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God, almighty creator, redeemer, and sustainer be and abide with each one of us now and forever.